Monk, Arizona Wine Podcast by Cody Vladimir Burkett. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of The Wine Monk. I'm your host, Cody Vladimir Chasen Burkett, King of the Lonely Mountain, Wine Monk, etc., etc. Anyway, I'm here with my new friends, Shannon and Robert. Hello. Hi. We are drinking tonight the 2013 Viognier from Zarpara down in Cochise County on the Wilcox Bench. So, Shannon and Robert, how did you guys end up here today? We are staying at Dead Horse Ranch State Park Campground, and it was raining all day today, and Jerome is such a fun town to visit, that we drove up and decided to do the wineries in town. Wine tastings and such. <laughs> Shannon and Robert come into the tasting room about an hour before closing, and I just had so much fun with them that I decided to bust out the new grill, put it together, cook dinner... And record a podcast, because that's how I show my love. I was pretty pleased it didn't explode, but we did bring our camping stove in case. Yeah, I'm very pleased it didn't explode, too. As some of my longtime friends know, grills and I do not get along. So anyway, Viognier is a Rhone grape, as you guys probably already know. It's also grown since then throughout most of the world, although for a while Viognier almost died out, simply because it was very, very difficult to grow and care for. But here in Arizona, it does well. Everyone seems to agree that it's one of our five best whites. Grown in Arizona. Correct. So what I cooked tonight, and I have no idea if this is going to pair or not, so it's going to be an adventure, <laughs> is uh, the Tofurky Tofu Cajun-style Anduin sausages. Not Anduin, because that one flies from Lord Andouille. of the Rings. Uh, Andouille, thank you. We've got Lord of the Rings on the mind. We were excited. Yeah. We're all, well, two of the three of us are huge Lord of the Rings fanatics, so we, we all bonded and nerded it out. So anyway, I did that. I also cooked two turkey burgers for my friends, because that I figured probably would go well. And then I also have some deep fried clams that I cooked up in my little toaster oven with some fries. Thank you, by the way. You're welcome. It's delicious. It smells nice. I'm not terribly good at wine tasting. Like, picking out what notes, but I feel like it smells like rose almost. Floral elements are very, very common for Viognier. Okay. Yeah! I'm not completely full of shit. No, you're not. <laughs> Way to put it mildly. It also may be a little cold. I did just pull it out of my fridge. It was at a little under-serving temperature at about 50. You really should serve Viognier at about 55. That's one of the warmest whites that you serve. I also get a lot of figs. Well, no, not figs. Apricots. Like a, a light fruit. Huh. Nothing I said makes sense. I could say mesquite and it would probably make sense. No, mesquite would be no. <laughs> I would be like, dude, you cray. This guy was aged for a little while in neutral oak, so you might get some vanilla notes. Um, I'm not detecting much. General of thumb is the more vanilla notes that you see in a wine that's been aged in French oak, the newer or the more new oak that this wine has seen. The tasting room for Zarpara, by the way, is right on the Wilcox bench. It's one of my favorite tasting rooms in Wilcox, period. It's just beautiful. It's right on the vines. You can stroll through the vines if you're lucky and you manage to catch one of the owners and they're willing to give you a tour. Generally they are because they're awesome people. Love you guys. Shout out. Are they laughing at you right now? I don't know. They probably will be once they hear this. They uh, should give you free wine. You should not have to pay to uh, support their product. No, I don't know. I mean, when it comes to Arizona wine, I like supporting my local economy. I like supporting my winemakers. But if they want to give me a bottle or two <laughs> gratis for me to review, I will be very pleased. I will be very happy. Um, I don't mind. 
but you know they've got to make money they've got equipment to pay off they've got vines to care for soil to care for and all these other things so i really don't mind it takes a lot of pear but yeah i do get some pear in this wine it is something that you usually get in a lot of viognier as well who's the winemaker at so the winemaker for Zarpara used to be Rob Hamelman, who is the maker of San Reckoner, was also making wines at Eridus for a while, is now Mark Yorve. I, I, sorry if I got your name mispronounced. I've actually never heard your last name pronounced. My bad. Uh, but Mark, um, one of the owners of Zarpara, is the main winemaker now. And the 2013-2014 vintage was the first vintage that he made. And I'd say this is a darn good Viognier. Very, very classic Arizona. I get also at the very, very finish, after the pear, after the fruit, on the palate, I get those classic Wilcox minerality notes. Taste it again. You'll, you'll find them at the very, very end, at the finish. I'm pretty unfamiliar with those, because most of my Arizona wine tasting is... They give a bit of a hint is... of spice. There is a hint of spice at the end, actually. I was reluctant to say that because I wasn't sure if it was also the Cajun-style... I, I, I was wondering if it's from the turkey, but if we both get it with the different food, then... Then we must be getting it. Then it must be hints of spice. Yes, but what spice? It's like the spice you use in apple pie. Like cinnamon or nutmeg or something. This wine almost has like a pie-like characteristic to it. It's kind of like drinking an apple, pear, apricot pie to me. With a little bit of vanilla, a little bit of the baking spice. Quite lovely. I, I mean, I like it. It's not too sweet. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm typically not a huge fan of sweet I wines, mean, and this one is, is not terribly sweet. Well, technically, this would be classified as a dry uh, wine yeah. because there is no residual sugar. It is very, very hard to do a sweet wine in Arizona. and there are, Well, it's easier to do a sweet white than a sweet red, by and large, because of the nature of harvest and the monsoons. Surprisingly crisp for me, but I could be still full of shit. No, Viognier in Arizona is known for being a little bit crisp. A little bit abrupt, too. But at the end, underneath all that baking spice and underneath all that fruit, there's one little note that is like licking a limestone pebble. And that's something that you get in a lot of Wilcox whites, especially. Okay. In Sonoida, across the board in reds and whites, you get this note of citrus like tangerine and orange, which I suspect is imparted by the boron in the groundwater there. That's the only thing I can think of. But I could, again, be entirely and totally wrong. Verde Valley seems to vary dramatically based on where your vineyard is. Some of the vineyards in the Verde Valley have a similar note of minerality, but it's more it's more like chalk versus limestone, which I know is splitting hairs geologically, but it's like a finer grain limestone versus a more coarse grain limestone. Others have this almost smoky quality. I haven't had... No, I had one white from Jerome from Maynard's Vineyard up here. And unfortunately, I was so smashing at the time, I don't really know that I could <laughs> categorize anything particularly unique. It was Malvasia. It had a little bit of the smoky character, but it also had a little bit of the minerality, which I think is key to his vineyard because his vineyard has both rocks from the Martin Formation and some interlying inclusions and boulders from above, which are from the Hickley Basalt, which are the black rocks that mm -hmm. cover the whole of the, the Black Hills here. I would say in terms of the pairing, it actually goes very well with the turkey burger. The crispness works well with the meat. Yeah, it helps to cut. And it doesn't overpower, as the turkey burger is not that strong, the Viognier is not that strong either in acidity or like body. I think it works uh, actually really well together. I'm pleasantly surprised. It actually also works fairly decently with the fake sausage. This is not a knock on the turkey burger, but the wine definitely improves it. 
Well, it's okay. It's a turkey burger. I mean, the wine clearly... They're starting from under the bar as it is. Yeah, the, the wine clearly outshines the, the food in terms of it being a turkey burger. Way to be a polite guest. No, I'm not, I'm not <laughs> trying to knock your... I'm sorry. I'm... It's okay. I didn't have time to marinate. I was literally like, what else do I have that I can throw on the grill for these guys? Oh, yeah! Well, these you. have been sitting forever. Thank oh. you. I appreciate it. I was it. just joking. No, now I feel like an ass. So the label, just at least on this Sao Paulo 2013 Viognier, is a really beautiful painting and uh, I don't know, I was wondering Cody if you knew where they are from, who does them? Oh, the label is done by, if I remember correctly, Trust Art and Design. They do a lot of labels for a lot of the southeastern Arizona wineries. They've also done Deep Sky, Rune, Sand Reckoner. They did some work for uh, Rod Keeling and a few other wineries. I can't remember who off the top of my head. But they're really great artists. They also do art shows at some of the wineries. Flying Leap especially has a lot of their art. But they're really awesome people. I'm hoping to do a podcast with them later this year. It's really beautiful. It's a kind of a sea of desert. That's actually kind of the reason why they went with Zarpara. If I remember correctly, it's Spanish for either anchor or sails away or something. What, what makes sense? As the idea is this like... kind of sailing away off into the desert, drinking your wine, and enjoying life. And that's kind of how Mark and his wife just live down in Zarpara and their kind of philosophy. Oh, yeah, actually. And it's a great philosophy. If, I like it a lot. If I had that lifestyle, this is the kind of wine I would drink. And I did just notice that the Zarpara label actually looks like a couple of sales. What's the elevation of Verde Valley and Wilcox? I don't know of either of those. I know Sonoid and Elgin is about 4,300. It's about the same, actually. Verde Valley ranges from here in Jerome. The highest vineyard is about 5,300, 5,200, to down about 3,900. Wilcox is about the same elevation as Sonoida. It's about 4,400, if we, I remember correctly. We were recently in Southern Colorado, and I noticed that I did not like the wine from higher elevation. But in Wilcox, you've got one of the longest growing seasons of any wine region in the U.S. Arizona! And so, and it's actually the shortest dormancy period. Mark Barris of Flying Leap did this a great article comparing a Chablis growing season to Wilcox, and it's phenomenal just how freaking different these two landscapes are. Where's Chablis? Uh, Chablis, France. Okay. Burgundy. Um, so here you have almost no dormancy period. They go in the dormancy and then almost immediately, like three months, boom, they're back online. It requires a lot of effort to be on top of your wines and vines here in Arizona. But the point is, the more effort you make, the better your wines are, and this is proof. This, this was a very delicious wine. I really wish I had my big red book with me to talk more about Viognier. But Viognier is apparently a very difficult grape to grow. You need to be very, very certain that the canopy shades the grapes, because the grapes sunburn easily. Hmm. They um, need to be cared for by... Yes. Viognier needs a lot of love, from what I understand. You know, for a second there, I got the slightest hint of raspberry. Well, there was a study that was done a while back that found that a lot of people, their descriptor terms are more linked by what the color of the wine is in the glass. So if you see a red wine, you're more inclined to describe it as red fruit versus, say, if you have a white wine, you're more inclined to describe it as lighter things, lighter fruits, whiter fruits, orange fruits, that sort of thing. Hmm. I would say, though, as it assumed has been warming up, um, being outside the fridge, the foodier notes are shining are a little bit out, more yeah. versus the crispness and so then i can pick up some more sweet notes sweet is maybe too strong word but like fruit notes kind of thing. i'm specifically getting more vanilla now 
Not vanilla, mm -hmm. vanilla bean. Do you ever give bad reviews? Like, if you have a glass of wine and you're just like, wow, they did something. Are you kind of like, it could have lived up to more, or could have done something more, or mm. do not drink this, it's better if you go here instead for this kind of wine. Rarely. By and large, if I encounter wine that I don't like from a vineyard that I can't categorize as being a good version of that varietal, a really excellent example of that idea is let's say there's a Zin in a tasting room. I am not a fan of Zinfandel, but I know a good Zinfandel when I taste one. So if I taste this in and yeah, I may not like it, but I can recognize, oh, this is a great Zin. And of course I'll recommend it, write about it. But if I talk about a wine that's actually bad, when I encounter it in the tasting room, my first thought is, okay, how long has this bottle been open? So I ask for a new bottle to be opened, and that usually solves the problem. Okay. By and large, the only bad Arizona wines I've had have been accidentally corked, where it wasn't properly stored. There are wines in Arizona that are definitely better than others, but they're still usually pretty good. The exception, I'm sorry, I cannot stand anything out of Cocapelli. Cocapelli Winery single-handedly set me back in my journey in oh, wow. Arizona wine by an entire year. So, 21st birthday, buying wine for the first time legally. Buy oh, myself wow. a bottle of Vintage Port from 1983. And then I also bought a bottle of the Cocapelli Vineyard Gewürztraminer. Because I'm like, oh, cool, Arizona wine. But it's I knew great. I never, I didn't know really very, I knew very little about Gewürztraminer. I knew it was Eastern Europe. I pour this wine first and honest to God, it was like, it smelled like boiled asparagus and broccoli. Oh, wow. It tasted like rotten durian. It was the worst Arizona wine I've ever had. I have admittedly not tried anything from Cocapelli Cellars since. So if you guys want to send me something to correct my assumption, you are welcome to. The point is, I haven't tried anything from Cocapelli since then that set me off. I didn't try another Arizona wine for another year because I thought, oh god, all Arizona wines are going to be this bad. The The turning point was a year later during my on my 22nd birthday. I actually did a wine tasting in Jerome at the old Jerome winery and tasted my first Wilcox wines. These are actually decent. The vines are young. They still need some more time, but there's a lot of potential here. I want to follow up on this. I want to work in this field because this would be fun to grow with the industry. And that was kind of when I also realized that moment of that tasting, what I wanted to be a part of the Arizona wine industry. Mm -hmm. um, digression over. Anyway, general thumb is I describe a wine how I taste it. I don't give a value judgment on the wines that I review. The reason being is because my palate is different from your palate. What I may not like, you may love. So therefore, I refrain from point scores, marketing gimmicks, Actually, those are technically the same things. I refrain from value judgments on the wine I'm drinking, unless, oh my god, this wine is amazing, I need more of it, you all need to drink this wine, which has happened with a couple wines that I've reviewed. Interesting with this wine, as it's warming up, I get raspberry, I just got a little bit of cherry, a little bit of vanilla bean, like it's it's weird that it's, it's tasting different from the beginning of the meal to I have just finished my turkey burger. Well... There's a couple reasons for that. One, different taste buds are opening up that were occupied with the turkey. Two, the wine's temperature has changed. It is now from 47 gone to about probably 52, 53 degrees. We're getting close to the ideal serving temperature for Viognier. It's just very interesting that you're using red fruit to describe this, but I can totally see, you know, sort of the cherry. Um, I also get choked cherry more than cherry, which is a weird flavor that I don't usually get in wine. What's choked cherry? Choke cherry is a little berry that grows here in the American Southwest. Okay. I'm just telling you what I taste. I mean... That's, that's good. I mean, I could have almost no palate whatsoever. I actually, I had a question about um, etiquette. There have been times where I feel like I'm drinking a wine that is just 
past sour. Like, it's just, it's hit, it's hit that turning point and it's on its way down. And I don't know how to, in a very delicate manner, ask them to open a new bottle without seeming pretentious. In a restaurant? In a restaurant. Like, because I don't want to be like that person... Because I'm typically easy to please. Like, I'll typically like all Sangioveses, but I will notice when it's not good. And I don't know how to send it back, especially if they don't let me try it before they pour it for me. There really is no delicate way to do it. It's different if it's a fancy restaurant and they bring the bottle to you, obviously. The etiquette there is even if you don't like the wine, you drink it anyway, unless it's very clearly corked. Then the sommelier should give you another bottle in a restaurant that's pouring from the glass. There really is no delicate way. You'll just have to be polite and say, I'm terribly sorry. I think this wine is turned. Could you please open a new bottle? Okay. Well, I feel like no matter how polite about it you say, they're going to hear your caricature. They're going to hear, they're going to go into the back and be like, ah, this person didn't like this wine. And, and I, I, I hate to make them feel bad. If you're really polite about it and not snooty about it, you know, it should be okay. okay. Then you should be, you should get out of it mostly mocked free. It's happened to me once or twice, and my general rule of thumb is, I will say to the waiter, pardon me, I think this wine has gone bad. Um, at your earliest convenience, could you pour me a new glass from a new bottle? Thank you very, very much. Okay. Because I was, I was worried about that. Being apologetic goes a long okay. way. I do have ice cream, by the way. <laughs> Does it's... ice cream pair well with... No, because it's chocolate ice cream, it will not pair well with the Viognier. Uh, general rule, if it was white chocolate or vanilla, it would be great. But unfortunately, no one makes white chocolate ice cream, which is actually very depressing now that I think about this. I'm going to cry later. Let's figure out the aroma color wheel, since apparently my aromas are all off. No, they're not. Uh... Taste tons of red fruit. No, it just means that you're actually opening your mind and not limiting it to color based on most people, like what most people do. Yeah, I get pear, raspberry, and cherry. The oddest combination. Ever. That would be a terrible fruit juice. It works really well it here. It works good in wine. If it's alcoholized, then it's amazing. There we go. Fun fact. There exists <clears throat> a video of a squirrel drunk on fermented crab apples, and I recommend everyone watch it because it'll make you laugh for a good minute and a half straight. I will probably link that video to this <laughs> post. <actually>. So <laughs> as we see in the aroma wheel, there are certain things. There's like citrus, tree fruits, tropical fruits, floral red berries. Wow, floral is big. Yeah, there's a lot of different floral elements. Um, What's the brown one? I can't read it from here. Brown one is oak aging. Oh, that's what it says. Okay. So these are things that are often imparted by oak. And then you have things that are often imparted by late harvest versus fortified versus aged white wine, which honey is supposed to be only an aged white wine, but I've tasted that in young white wines too, depending on varietals. Especially some Viognier's. This doesn't have a lot of honey characteristics to me, but I've had other Arizona Viognier's and Viognier blends that do. And then you have, you know, undergrowth and aged red wine notes and then that sort of thing. Um, and then you also have the things that are bad notes that clearly denote, okay, this wine is bad. Um, case in point, nail polish remover or rotten egg, sweet corn. Onion. <laughs> onion. Old Band-Aid is another great descriptor for corked wine. If you smell old Band-Aid in your wine at your restaurant, you definitely should request a new glass or a Politely new bottle. Politely and apologetically. Politely and apologetically. So here, let's start with citrus. Are there any citrus notes in this wine on both palate and nose? I don't get a heavy citrus. I mean, if it's there, it's so subtle. So the citrus element in the wine aroma wheel 
has grapefruit, lemon, lime, and mandarin as its basis, but there's, of course, a shit ton of other citruses. Of those, I would say grapefruit would be the most likely. I would have gone with mandarin. If I breathe in through my mouth at the same time I'm smelling, I do get a little bit of citrus, and I would say it's probably mandarin. Hmm. I would agree with that. Next on the list, tree fruits, which we've all talked about. We've all tasted this one. Pear, apple, green apple, peach, apricot, apple, pear. Like I was saying, it's like an apple, pear, pie. Mm -hmm. So that's one of the things. Next on the fruits for white wine, tropical fruits. Melon, guava, pineapple, passion fruit, lychee. I don't feel like I'm getting any of those except maybe honeydew melon. Maybe. I mean, I, I don't, but I'm also well, not as practiced I as think this. The, I think the element that you described as cherry might also kind of fit the honeydew melon characteristics mm. in terms of something with a little bit more body. I guess it depends what kind of cherry, but I... The next on the list are fruits and red wines for red berries versus red fruits, or tree fruits rather. Then after that, it comes to floral elements. Honeysuckle, hawthorn, orange blossom, linden, which for me is uh, something I don't know because I've never smelled a linden tree. Jasmine, acacia, so on and so forth. I get a little bit of acacia and a little bit of orange blossom and, and like you were talking about the vanilla bean, I would classify that as a floral Note. Next up on the aroma wheel are what's known as vegetable characteristics. Vegetables, fresh herbs, dried herbs, leaves. If I were to drink this wine and then want to pair it with something, for some reason I want cooked carrots. I think well-cooked carrots would be a nice, a nice like earthy contradiction to this really bright crisp wine. I don't know why. Hmm. I actually think you're onto something there. Cooked carrots, weirdly enough, I think also with like sauerkraut not like super strong sauerkraut like sauerkraut that's been cooked with the carrots can we high five high five legend wait for it dairy yes oh my god i'm re-watching that entire show right now super disappointed with the last five minutes of the Shh. last one it could have been a great ending sorry how i met your mother but your ending sucked nine seasons of laughter and then was you it take it away was it Nine. Yeah, it was. It was it nine, nine seasons. seasons. And then the last five minutes, you just... Why? Why'd you have to do that? I The original ending is apparently on YouTube, and it's just <gasps> literally a... So this is what I had to do to meet your mom. Then another list of... I Literally a 30-second summary of the last nine years. Huh. And so there's no funeral, there's no death, there's no... I want to date Robin. Hmm. I think I want to watch that. Because that would be more satisfying. I wasn't a fan of the Ted character. I thought his entire life revolved around getting a girl, which was odd. Like, it's like, oh, I kind of want to be an architect, but I'm going to complain about my love life for five seasons straight. It, it was just, it was just, it got whiny. Yeah, not where, in a good way. Not in a good way. Where it was just Not in a wine way. Exactly. Which is funny, for someone who talks about liking Cote de Rose, he only drinks them like three times in the entire series. Oh man, he does, huh? Yeah. He like drinks wine only like five times. Well, I mean, I can see some aspects of why I'm like the Ted character, because I have had a rocky history with romance, blah, blah, blah. But otherwise, I am definitely more like Barney. I am <laughs> awesome. I have bolo ties. and It's not suits with me, it's bolo ties. I will single-handedly bring bolo ties back from oblivion. I am from the Midwest, and... We're, no, we're in the Midwest. From Rockville, Illinois, I grew up north of Phoenix in a town called Cave Creek. 
and then move to Tucson, which is way closer to Senoida, and it is amazing wine country in Senoida and Elgin, and which is close to Wilcox, where the wine we're drinking right now is from. If this wine was a Lord of the Rings character, male or female, how lets us open this up? Even, you know, Cimmerillion, Hobbit, the Lord of the Rings universe. Who is this wine? Oh, give me a second. Lord Elrond. Why Lord Elrond? Because this is an it's an easy wine to drink. It's refreshing. It's crisp. It's a little bit fruity, but at the same time, you have to be ready for it. And I feel like Lord Elrond fits that really well because he was a very happy elf, but he also was very regal. I don't think Lord Elrond is a red. No, I'm with you. Who would you Who would you give this to? I was also thinking elf character, but I was thinking Glorfindel actually. Mm-mm, I don't remember that one. I don't know the lore as well. I mean, I read Cimmerillion, but it was, I mean, it was ten years ago. He was one of the elves that was also hanging around Rivendell. Okay. Was he the guy that was the the biggest friends with Aragorn? More more so friends with Aragorn? Glorfindel, from what I remember, he is the one who actually saves them at the Fort of Bruin. Mm-hmm. Versus, in the okay, books. Okay, that's exactly who I was thinking Versus, of. oh, in the movie they made Arwen do it, but in the books it's Glorfindel. Oh. Which was... That was okay. They needed to do something with Arwen other than just have her sit there and look pretty. But Strong female characters. They're important. We are. And like I like you and I were talking earlier, I mean, Tolkien did two of, I think, the strongest female characters ever. Galadriel, older than the sun, basically single-handedly led the elves out of Middle-earth. No, I will not take the ring. And, and you know, very humble in that way. Um, but also terrifying as fuck, most, like most of the women that I know in my life. Um, which is why I keep them around because they're awesome. Um, and then you all, of course, have Eowyn, who I like to joke single-handedly ruined me for dating because all this time I've been looking for an Eowyn, like an absolute equal, someone who can take down the Dark Lord. Maybe not the Dark Lord, but can definitely is fearless in the face of the, the fell beasts that the Nazgul were riding. Can take down the freaking Dark King of Angmar. Wasn't that awesome? That was that was awesome. I have to say that the amount of attention and detail and craftsmanship that went into the movies, I, I, I feel they did a good job trying to respect the book. Especially in the way they... I mean, like, some of the characters got gypped because, like... Our, our, oh, God, Farmer. The way Farmer was treated in the movies just pissed me off. Because the book, he's just like, no, I'm not going to touch the fucking ring. Here, just let it sit there. Well, maybe in a similar vein, from your experience, how well does this wine reflect Arizona Viognier or typical characters? <laughs> Ooh, since this is a wine podcast <laughs> and not the Law of the Rings fan podcast. Way to bring that around. I like that. Well done. Cheers. This is actually a really great representation, I think, of Arizona Viognier. Thank you. I've had some that had a more mineral note from Wilcox. I've had some that had a stronger fruit note. Those tended to be from the north part of the Wilcox Basin. I would say that this is a really good example of a Wilcox Arizona Viognier. I have not had any Viognier, full Viognier from Sonoida. I have not had any full Viognier from here in the Verde Valley, so I cannot speak to those regions. But this is a good introduction to Wilcox Viognier. I feel like the Saculum Cellars Viognier is a little bit more fruity. This has a little bit more minerality, from what I remember, but then again, it's also been about four months since I've had last the Saquon Cellars Viognier. It's very delicious. 
Alright, so who is it? Which Lord of the Rings characters is it to you? You have to calm down, okay? We'll talk about Lord of the Rings. I, I, I'm with you with Lord Elrond. Uh, I had traditionally pictured Lord Elrond in my head as more of a rosé made from Sinso or Syrah. Oh, maybe not Syrah, but Grenache. But yeah, I can totally see it in this character. In in this uh, this, uh, it reminds me of this poem fragment I wrote the other day uh, about a coronel of Viognier in silver, which would be very very elven, very very eldritch nature, Rivendell esque. If I think of Elrond, I think he would serve a rosé. I feel like the elves of Lothlorien would be more into reds than the elves of Rivendell. Wild, untamed, tannic reds, aged heavily in oak, like Cab Franc and Tanat and Saparavi. Mm -hmm. Lorien seems to be sweeter, milder. And they would be sweet. They would be sweet reds, but there'd still be tannins and all of those things. The woman who was synonymous with the rain. In, in the poem, when the hobbits um, visit a guy who tries the ring and nothing changes because... Oh, that was Tom Bombadil. Tom Goldberry. Bombadil. Goldberry. I feel like this is very Goldberry. This could be Goldberry, I too. I mean, she would be mead, but I feel like this is, like, her after the no, rain shower. No, if we're talking Lord of the Rings and what Goldberry would be, Goldberry, hands down, is Malvasia Bianca. Blonde, oh, okay, okay. willow thin, in touch with the wilderness. I've always seen Malvasia Bianca as kind of a blonde, earth crunchy hippie running around barefoot with tattoos, long blonde hair, spinning around in a garden. Okay. Goldberry, Malvasia Bianca, for sure. Tom Bombadil, I have no freaking idea what grape he would be, though. Probably Saparavi, because he's older than the oldest, and Saparavi is one of the oldest grape varietals known. It's more or less attested from Georgia, 4000 BC. It's one of the oldest grape varieties that's been around forever. So who would you characterize this wine as? Uh, I'm with you, Lord Elrond. But he could be a lot of things, he depending on his mood, the time of the day. Other the other character, maybe in the Lord of the Rings... Um, bit character, in the back, you don't really know much about her. She's a hobbit, Rosie. Hmm. It does have a sort of floral, hobbit-like nose, fruity, a little bit of earth. Um, if we're not going to go with Lord Elrond, then maybe Rosie Cotton. I would view her as like an earthy, sweet red. It like, would fit cotton and wine, both strong Arizona traits. That's true. That is a very good point. One of our five Even though not widely acknowledged outside of Arizona. This is true. We don't no. get cred for our cotton. We're <laughs> <laughs> You know, we were we were wine tasting out in Texas, and um, when we were sitting in one of the... I was in Houston at a wine place tasting, and two people walked in with a large suitcase and several bottles of wine, and the owner of the place came out, and they were all sitting there tasting wine at the table next to me, and they started talking about Arizona wines and how it was a growing market. And I kick myself still today for not chiming in and being like, I know a lot, sort of about the Arizona wine market, and I can tell you that it is rather delicious. It is better than what I'm drinking right now. And I, I, I kick myself for not saying anything because I, I am interested in supporting local Arizona wine because it's been, it's it's treated me very well. But anyway, um, before we get Stream of entirely off topic and derail, <laughs> we're going to close this now. So we're going to finish the rest of our Viognier in peace until we meet again next time. This is Cody Burkett and friends. Shannon. Robert. Signing off. Tune in again next time and we'll talk about another wine. I have no idea what it'll be yet. <laughs>